baby crashes the car, impales bats, and, mm-hmm. you know, this is when when they escape. And I think it's kind of funny, as funny as it can be, yeah. seeing somebody get impaled and killed uh, mm-hmm. because Buddy and Darling are like, okay, let's just get the heck out of here. Well, they were like, baby, what'd you do? And he's like, I, I moved. moved. <laughs> <laughs> I moved. It was really funny. Welcome back to another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. My name is Allison, and again this week I am joined by Emily Seaton, who is our brand intern for the summertime, um, taking over a lot of Jamie's duties while she is on maternity leave, including this podcast. Yep, it's exciting. (laughs) Yes, so this week... We chose a movie that was actually suggested by Emily because it's one of her favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily is going to be starting her junior year of college yep. in the fall, and she does graphic design and also minors in film studies. Mm-hmm. So she wrote a report on this film. Yep. So obviously she's super passionate about it, and I had never seen it before. So we decided to give this one a go. Yeah, and actually I, I looked it up, and the um, two-year anniversary of this movie is June 21st. Oh my gosh. So, so like, pretty much this, yeah, this week. This, so, this week perfect is, timing. Yeah, <laughs> is, is when it came out. And um, if you haven't heard of this film, as Emily just said, it came out two years ago, um, and it's Baby Driver. The um, stars of this film, most notably, are Ansel Elgort. He is from... Uh, the Fault in Our Stars is probably his biggest role. Mm-hmm. We have John Bernthal, who is from The Walking Dead, and yep. also kind of the Marvel DC Comics universe, if I believe. Yeah. Was it The Punisher? Yes, The Punisher. We've got John Hamm. Oh, woo. Yep. Love him <laughs> for Mad Men. And then um, also Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. and... Um, Oh my gosh. Jamie Foxx. And Jamie Foxx are in it. Yep. Um, it's directed by Edgar Wright. Who tell us a little bit about Edgar Wright. I'm not so, super familiar with him. Edgar Wright also directed Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which is probably his most like notable style of directing. If you like have seen that movie, it's very out there. It's a different sort of movie and it combines almost like video games with like the reality that they're in it's a very strange movie but it was very funny very good um and I feel like as a director Edgar Wright really likes to push his push his limits and what he can do and create these different editing styles that are not really the normal part of movie making um so with this movie and how he shot everything to the soundtrack like that's kind of how Baby Driver went and that was his latest challenge so Mm -hmm. and he had been working on this screenplay for a really long time Mm -hmm. close to 20 years Mm -hmm. before it actually came out and came to came to fruition so um there are tons of different elements in this film most notably the directing and editing style as well as um shooting and timing the scenes with the music and then the soundtrack in general Mm the soundtrack has about 30 songs on it and um, each scene is timed specifically with um, 
with each song that is yep. featured in that scene. So it's very complicated. It takes a lot of um, skill and preciseness to pull something off like this. So we're going to go over the synopsis very quickly and then we're going to talk a lot about the production the filming etc so um i'm gonna i'm gonna go through this plot here a little bit and then we'll kind of like i said go over a lot of the different points so um baby who's played by ansel elgort we come to find out his real name is miles but everyone kind of goes by their own moniker Mm -hmm. in this film um, because they're criminals. Right. He was a young carjacker, and um, he gets kind of recruited to be a getaway driver. Um, we know that when he was a young boy, his parents had a very unstable marriage. His dad used to, you know, his hit his mom around a lot, but his mom was a singer, really, really liked music. And um, both his parents ended up dying in a car accident, while they were arguing, they uh, rear-ended a semi-truck going pretty fast, and Baby ends up um, surviving, but he gets injured. He gets tinnitus, tinnitus, which um, is like a chronic ringing of the ears. You know, your eardrum gets damaged, and um, he goes into the foster care sy- system. His foster care or foster father is a deaf man in real life, and he ends up um, baby working for this kind of big criminal boss lord in the Atlanta area, played by Kevin Spacey. And he says to his foster father, you know, I'm just going to do this job until I've paid off my debts, and then I'm out. And his foster father is really against this, uh, Joseph, because he doesn't want any of his uh, any of his dirty money. One day, baby goes into the diner, which we find out that his mother worked at, and he meets this beautiful waitress named Deborah, who's played by Lily James, and she was in the remake of the Cinderella movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen that before. And they bond over music and driving. They talk about how they want to leave Atlanta and go on a road trip. Um, And they kind of have this on and off for a while. You know, Baby does his last job. What he thinks is his last job takes Deborah out to a really nice dinner where Doc actually pays for their meal and Doc talks Baby into coming back to do another really big job for them. Um, You know, he says, I'm not going to do it. He works as a pizza delivery guy so that he can, you know, stay away from the dirty money. Um, But he ultimately gets pulled back into this big heist where they are going to rob a post office to get money orders. And Baby goes in with Doc's nephew, who I believe is like nine, eight or nine or Mm -hmm. so. And the nephew, it's so funny. He's this cute little chubby kid playing his, you know, PSP or whatever. And the little kid takes note of all the things that, you know, he needs to know for for this big Mm -hmm. job to go down. And Baby is very timid and shy. When he speaks to the woman at the counter, he alludes to her maybe you shouldn't come into work tomorrow without really saying it you know they end up 
all getting together to, you know, do this job where they go to meet the butcher, which is actually a guns dealer. And um, it end up, ends up going going down badly. Mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx's character, Bats, ends up shooting the butcher. So they end up, you know, sh- having this kind of shootout with these arms dealers. They, um, you know, Doc kind of set them up by having these police officers um, be the ones that were going to be dealing arms. So they return to their little hideout, and um, that is when they actually find out that Baby has had this tape recorder on him, and he records a lot of their conversations. Now, the rest of the crew, you know, John Hamm, whose name is Buddy, his wife, who is Darling, Jamie Foxx's character, Bats, Doc, they're all really concerned and thinking that baby could implicate them Mm -hmm. or, you know, testify against them, go against them, defect from their little thing that they have going on. So um, baby actually tells them, you know, what I do is I, I mix these, these words and I make songs, which is so funny. Mm -hmm. You know, um, doc makes a comment. Is he slow? (laughs) Because everyone thinks yeah. since Baby is so quiet, he always has his earbuds in to listen to music to drown out the tinnitus. They think he's kind of like slow or on the spectrum or, you know, is a nonverbal kind of guy. He is mm-hmm. just like this crazy fast driver dude. Um, they end up going to his home where he lives with his foster father. They raid his house. They listen to all of these tapes and they are you know afraid he's going to turn them in but baby regains the crew's trust when they um you know listen to these remixes and they're like okay you are just weird (laughs) so they all get together they're going to go on this big heist and they um you know go in to steal all these money orders from the post office and Baby has this moment where he kind of freaks out because Bats kills a security guard. And, um, you know, they they have this big police standoff as they're trying to escape. They kind of get separated mm-hmm. in a way. Baby's in one way. Darling and Buddy are in another way. They all get separated. And um, Baby actually ends up killing bats when they're in the getaway car bats is holding a gun to him and he's like move 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 you know get out of here and uh baby crashes the car impales bats and Mm -hmm. you know this is when when they escape and i think it's kind of funny as funny as it can be seeing somebody get impaled and killed uh, Mm -hmm. because buddy and darling are like okay let's just get the heck out of here well they were like baby what'd you do and he's like i, I moved, moved. <laughs> i moved it was really funny yes and you know they <clears throat> um go on baby goes on this series of um quick changes through a mall he changes cars he loses buddy and darling actually dies in a in a shootout with with the police mm-hmm. and so buddy is obviously heartbroken but they are separated for for amount of time. So Baby flees after this kind of police shootout where, where Darling dies. He picks up Joseph. He takes him to like this nursing home, leaves a little tape recorder with some money with him. 
so that he is safe and taken care of. And he tells Joseph, I'll be back. Then he goes to Bo's where Deborah is working to kind of take her and they, so they can get the heck out of there. And lo and behold, Buddy is waiting there with a gun. And immediately the police kind of surround the area and they have to um, escape and, you know, get away from the police. And, um, you know, Buddy is, Buddy's holding there. He's holding Deborah at gunpoint and uh, Baby grabs the gun, shoots Buddy, and they kind of escape out the back way. They, you know, hop into this car and they end up in this kind of really, really interesting chase shootout in a parking garage. Yeah. Um, which is really crazy. You know, their uh, baby and Deborah are fleeing through this parking garage. They end up coming head to head with Buddy and he's in a police police car. They do this amazing shot where they baby drives backwards all the way up to the top mm-hmm. of this parking garage. Um, the police kind of descend on them in a way and it ends with this great shootout scene and um, this moment where baby pushes the car that Buddy is in over the guardrails and it, you know, explodes. Little did they know, Buddy escaped mm-hmm. and they have this kind of final scene where Buddy is going to kill Baby. Deborah grabs a crowbar. So Deborah is trying to fight Buddy off and Baby's kind of incapacitated because a gun gets shot and with his tinnitus, he's all disoriented. But Buddy eventually stumbles off the side and falls into this fiery, mm-hmm. fiery crash, and he he dies. And um, Baby awakes because you know he's kind of disoriented, and Deborah is driving. And they're driving out west finally, and they're, you know, they're listening to their song. I believe it's uh, easy, like Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, she says we're we're heading west. We're on our road trip. Everything so seems so great and dandy until they come to a bridge where there is a police barricade you know Deborah wants to escape and baby effectively surrenders he goes to court they show some great scenes of testimonies in court with Deborah testifying with Joseph testifying a woman who car he stole how he said ma'am I'm so sorry gives her the purse Mm -hmm. and um, he ends up you know they say that he's sentenced to 25 years with the eligibility for parole and five and the scene or the movie ends with a scene of baby walking out of jail to find Deborah you know they haven't aged at all and she's got this brand new car and they Mm -hmm. they embrace and you know they start their life together yeah and that's that's the film that's like the very very basics of it all because every scene of this film is supercharged and filled with so many different elements from the action to the filming angles to the special effects or lack thereof the lighting the music etc so the most important part about this film and like what's takeaway from it is that the entire movie was shot to this soundtrack that was created like almost two years in advance and it was approved 
and then they shot this entire every single song that you hear is a song that's actually playing in the movie as if like the characters are hearing it everything is real i guess you could say so like everything that you're hearing is what they're hearing Mm -hmm. which is completely different than what a normal movie would be like usually the music in the movie you the characters would not be hearing it if they were like real Mm -hmm. so that's what separates this movie from pretty much every other movie i'd say because it has this different aspect of I don't even know how to describe it. Like it's just—it's so, so intentional the yeah. way the the way that the music was designed for the film. The way that the film was shot is based on the music, not vice versa. Right. Because oftentimes, you know, with film scores, the the music is composed after the fact, and they compose the music to fit the film, right. to fit the timing. And this way is the other way around. I think about I, I watched a. A video explainer video on the opening scene of La La Land which um, I think we've talked about it on this podcast before but if you haven't seen it the opening scene of La La Land is takes place on a freeway in Los Angeles where everyone is dancing and it's one continuous take Mm -hmm. And while they're filming it, the people, the dancers, the choreography is all based on the song. And so they're playing it live for everyone while they're filming it, not to mention it's all one shot. Right. And this reminds me of that in a way because they're listening to it. The counts of the songs right. are all in tune. Mm-hmm. Every shot, every gunshot is exactly is totally meant to be in time right. with with the song that's playing in the background so instead of the choreography being dancing or singing along it's steps it's car doors shutting it's him gear shifting it's like putting the money on the table it's all of that that's the choreographed part of it and how that lines up with the music which is i just i don't understand how edgar wright even came up with this idea or like i well i guess his the way he came up with the idea of the movie was he saw the music video for mint royale's blue song um they're a uk band and it featured a getaway driver so that was kind of his idea for the movie itself and then for some reason he always had this mentality that he wanted to have the song bell bottoms with a car chase and explosion like that was his mindset for like probably 20 years he's like man that'd be really cool and that's kind of how he started the idea for baby driver because he was like man i really want to do this so he picked that song and he designed then, a then whole came, film and a yeah, whole score. And we have a- an entire movie after it. Yeah. Which is um, great, too, because this is an original idea. And that's something that's not often, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially with films more recently. We're seeing a lot of remakes. We're seeing a lot of uh, film adaptations of books, etc. I think that um, a film that kind of reminds me of this in the way that sound plays such a big role is Birdman. Um, I watched that movie again recently and I have recollections of beats or music that kind of plays into that role in a musical in a lot of the way. I think that, like you said, this is almost like a musical without the character singing except baby mm-hmm. does do a little bit of lip singing right. and, and deborah does a little bit of singing too but that's just showing like their personalities mm-hmm. it's not like yeah um this movie also is 
like if you've seen Mad Max Fury Road, is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That movie and like their sound design with that movie was also inspiration for how Baby Driver was shot because like Mad Max Fury Road got so many awards for their sound design because everything was it was just like that whole film is based on sound. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of the same way but with music. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea and the the boundaries that they push and the extra steps that they take obviously pay off. I mean, there's almost no CGI in this. Mm-mm. All of the driving is completely real and authentic, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I think about the scene, um, one of the opening scenes when they're driving away in the red Subaru and he has to kind of drift between one car down an alley and then flip the yeah. other way. How they did that, I have no clue. And um, they mm-hmm. filmed this in Atlanta. It was going to be in L.A., but they decided to move to production to Atlanta, which a lot of films are shot there. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if any of the other people listening are aware, but you get a lot of tax breaks by filming in right. Georgia. Um, with recent politics, that's going to change a lot. I think a lot of people are boycotting Georgia. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, so that'll be interesting for mm-hmm. a lot of movie production because – um, I know that they get very significant tax breaks by yeah, for sure. by filming in there in, in those areas and um, they actually you know closed down about 40 streets to film a mm-hmm. lot of these chase scenes and the only thing that was really built was the diner right um, from an old abandoned Denny's but everything else in the film was completely you know authentic that they you know that was that's included in the film but mm-hmm. Um, one thing too, we, when Jamie and I did Suspiria, the original Suspiria that came out, you know, they use lighting, bright lighting in a lot of different ways and colors in a lot of ways. And as does this film, it's one of the first things that I noticed, Mm -hmm. um, especially in the diner scenes, you know, there's bright blue and there's bright red Mm -hmm. in, um, a lot of the scenes, but they also use that in the like costume design for a lot of the characters so you know baby and deborah baby he's kind of in like black and white and like drab colors Mm -hmm. a lot of the time um he's also like always wearing a jacket which i find hilarious (laughs) and then his sunglasses too he always wearing sunglasses and um he has like a collection of sunglasses and a collection of iPods and um I was researching this movie and I found out that he has that big collection of those things because since he's been stealing cars for years and years those are very common items to have in cars so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like things that he's kept from all of the cars that he's stolen so that's why his taste in music is so like diverse because he has all these stolen ipods that yeah i thought that was funny especially like the pink sparkly one yeah (laughs) i think about i got my ipod stolen in high school and i hope that person enjoyed my pop punk soundtracks that i had (laughs) on there in 2006 but um yeah it's he uh, amasses a a wide collection so it's very much a sensory movie you know not only visually in you know the way that we consume a lot of movies but you know sound and then all Mm -hmm. the other elements that you can use visually I mean uh Deborah is wearing like blue and yellow bats wears red darling's pink purple and pink um baby's mom in the few scenes that we see her in she is wearing gold this like very 
you know, ethereal, ethereal things. So the there's different motifs with colors, right. which, um, you know, is really great. And on top of that, this is a car movie too. You know, it's yeah, a, it's a sure. musical type of movie. It's a visually stimulating, but it's a car movie as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think I read that they, you know, use about 150 cars mm-hmm. for the film. Yep. Um, and I'm not a huge car person, but I, you know, noted, I noticed the, the Subaru, um, that is like a really kind of, I don't know it, how you would describe it, but kind of like a cult car, like a lot of, you know, street racers, yeah. I feel like have that Subaru. I think it's a WRX and they kind of will, um, you know, put big spoilers on it or, mm-hmm. you know, put rims or, or whatever uh, yeah. different, I think they call them kits on, on these vehicles. And, mm-hmm. you know, they drive a Tahoe, um, they drive that, that avalanche, which they totally trash. And, yeah. <laughs> um, there's like a Dodge Challenger, obviously. And then, uh, I think they have a Bronco is like the, one of the, the last cars that they have. So, mm-hmm. well, then they drove, uh, doc's mercedes Mm -hmm. so his mercedes was a 2014 mercedes and it had this um technology in it where it would correct the car if it got out of control and um so they drove doc's car when they were in the parking garage Mm -hmm. and that was when they were doing the whole reverse thing and they actually had to like modify the car because it wouldn't let them do the stunts they wanted to perform because it had all these safety features installed. Oh. So they had to like modify it to fit like fit what they wanted to do. And they tried to like call Mercedes and they're like, hey, can you guys like take this safety feature off? And they're like, uh, no, like it's there for a reason. And so they had to like do it themselves. And that, I thought that was interesting. That is so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's. Because people's cars are not meant to do what they did in this movie. No, like, not at all. Don't don't try that. <laughs> no. And I haven't seen a lot of movies in the Fast and Furious franchise, Me admittedly. Neither. But I know that the driving scenes and the racing scenes are very exhilarating. And knowing that, you know, this isn't done with a lot of CGI. Of course, there are stunt drivers. Um, and, you know, uh, Ansel Elgort had to take, you know, intense driving yeah. Um, yeah lessons to to prepare for this role and so did John Hamm mm-hmm. um, because of how much it's you know how involved it is but knowing that you know these are these are stunt drivers but it's real no CGI of the drifting and all that different stuff really adds another interesting element to yeah. the film well I guess like so to go back on the part where you said it's like a sensory movie where it's like everything is touched with it um so I don't, did you watch the movie with headphones on by any chance? No, I didn't. I watched it in my living room. Um, Which, on the I mean, couch. you probably should do anyway. But so if you were to watch it in theaters or like with surround sound or with headphones on, you would notice. So since babies constantly listen to music, which is what we're hearing, like the music that is playing is usually through his earbuds. Um, and when he takes an earbud out, the music stops from that side of the theater or whatever so like if he takes out his right ear pod whatever the music will stop from the right side of the speakers and so it matches what he is doing like you are actually listening to the music he is listening to mm. so if he takes out his earbud and if you're wearing earbuds you will not hear music 
in your earbud. Ooh, that's super interesting. And when he takes out his earbud, you'll be able to hear the ringing in his ear. Yeah, from, I read that too, the tinnitus. Mm-hmm. You, you'll you be able to hear, hear it. it. And so like when he um, jumps out of the car at the like towards the end, when he after he kills bats and he doesn't have any music, and it's just him breathing and you hear the ringing get louder and louder, it's because he doesn't have any music going. Mm-hmm. So they play that throughout the entire movie. You just don't hear it when the music's playing because that's what baby is drowning out with the music that is so crazy mm-hmm. and they mentioned too barbara streisand jamie fox makes yeah. <laughs> a makes a joke about barbara streisand and she has tinnitus and barbara's gangsta did she, you read that part yeah she's gangsta <laughs> she'll be fine if we make a joke about her which i think is funny and you um you know i think it's probably pretty common too you know with accidents of course but uh I think it'll be interesting or, you know, ENTs out there, anybody who works in this field may be able able to lend a little more knowledge to this. But I think that we're going to see an increase of, you know, tinnitus as a population overall um, just because people, you know, were headphones came out um, and people were listening to music on, you know, headphones so much more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, blasting it up and turning it up and people are always wearing their AirPods or their headphones while they're bopping around um, school. I think we'll see a lot more of it. And it's also notable in the movie A Star is Born with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Bradley Cooper's character has tinnitus Mm. too. And, um, you know, as we know, once hearing is damaged, it's impossible to go back. There's really no Mm. way. So, you know, baby was going to live with this no matter what. I think about, gosh, his five years in jail. What did he do with that ear ringing? Well, well, after the gunshot, he was, like, basically deaf. Like, he is almost deaf. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was – that's what Buddy was trying to take out of his life was being able to listen to music because that was something that he loved. And he was like, well, my darling got killed and she was loving my life, so I'm going to get rid of yours. And he took out his hearing, which is rude. So rude. <laughs> so rude. I mean – and, um, you know, it has really interesting character development, though we're kind of thrust into the middle of a story that's already going on. And this the story of this, this film, it feels like it only takes place over a couple of days, aside yeah. from, you know, the very end scene where Baby supposedly gets out of, out of jail. Right. I think it's that they leave it purposely ambiguous, because yep. you don't look any older and mm-hmm. you know it's funny Ansel Elgort does have like a true baby face he does yeah. he's got the littlest baby face and he's actually a recording artist yep um the way that his voice sounds when he sings is nothing like I think most people would imagine it's very kind of deep yeah the way it's, that it's interesting I didn't know that he was an artist until like I guess probably a few years ago but and I listened to a couple of his songs, and I was just like, that doesn't really sound like Ansel Elgort. Like, I would not expect that to be him if I just, like, heard that song. But I know. It was actually pretty good. Like, he's not he's not really a bad artist. Like, he's no. pretty good. He is pretty good. But, um, you know, the, there's kind of this quick character development, and we don't really know about these people's backgrounds. I mean, mm-hmm. Bats or Jamie Foxx's character kind of questions Buddy a little bit and he's like, were you on Wall Street? Did you do this? You know, we get little tidbits of Baby's background from kind of his flashbacks mm-hmm. and and what we hear, but we really don't know anything else about the 
the characters themselves and their yeah. background and how they kind of fell into this. You know, Buddy says that he, you know, commits crimes to support a drug problem that he has. And Bat says something to the effect of he does he does drugs so that he can keep committing crimes, etc. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird paradox, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like maybe the whole point of us not knowing about their backgrounds, though, might be that they don't know each other either because they're in this, like, criminal organization and you only have to know these people for these specific reasons, mm-hmm. which is what kind of, like, what the audience gets as well. Like, we only get to know them based off of what they're doing in that moment. So, like, they're a part of this criminal organization. That's all you need to know because mm-hmm. that's all they know about each other essentially right and doc does mention that when he does these jobs he never uses the same crew it's always Mm -hmm. a different crew and baby is always the driver though he's kind of the lucky charm and that's why doc does go back and finds him at the restaurant and tells him that he needs baby back to Mm -hmm. complete these jobs and it's interesting that you know he goes he goes back to him and that but also that doc doesn't have a little bit more of a because baby's so young that he doesn't have a little bit more of like empathy or compassion for baby and he it's so easily for him to throw him over the coals when his recording device is Mm -hmm. you know his little tape recorder is yeah discovered it's an interesting dynamic yeah i get but i guess like you kind of do see that empathetic side of doc later on when baby goes to him and asks him for his last like paycheck essentially when he and deborah are trying to leave and escape and then that's where buddy shows up in the police car mm-hmm. and then he kills doc mm-hmm. so that you could kind of see it there when um because at first doc's like i'm not gonna help you like get out and then deborah shows up behind baby and then doc's like okay fine like i was in love once and he gave him the money and told him to leave and get as far away as they can so I guess that was kind of his empathetic side yeah maybe he didn't want baby to get too far too far into it did we Mm -hmm. ever find out what baby's debt is that he has to repay yeah so um baby stole from doc when I don't even know how old he was he was young he uh broke into his car and stole his car and it gets really nice car and Doc said he just sat there and watched him do it because he was so fascinated by Baby and how he did it and how he was able to do it. And I think he said something about, like, he had the biggest balls I've ever seen or something like that. (laughs) And he was like, I was so impressed with him. And so Baby was working for him to pay back the car, essentially. Mm, Okay. I must have missed missed that little... uh... It was was really quick. But yeah, so that's that's why Baby was in that industry because Doc caught him stealing his car and was like... Instead of, you know, making you go to jail or whatever, obviously Doc's a criminal, so he doesn't really want to mess with cops. Um, he was just like, you're going to work for me and pay off your debt of stealing my car. I feel like that is probably a little bit of a common theme when it comes to criminals. If somebody is able, if a criminal thinks that they're so smart and somebody is able to, you know, pull one over on them. Yeah. Rather than seeking revenge, maybe they would say, you know, that's, I guess that's what I would do if I was a criminal. I'd say, all right, you get away with it this time, but you got to be part of my crew for. Yeah. Like you probably want them to work for you rather than work for someone else. Why not? Well, I guess just like some interesting stuff about this scene, some scenes that were shot, um, 
like you were talking about the La La Land one take yes. scene. So Baby Driver also has a one take um, scene and that's their like title sequence when it's showing, you know, all the credits and stuff, um, which is after the opening scene. And so this scene is um, all one take. It took them 28 takes to do it. They used take 21. And what and what scene is it? So it's the one where um, Baby is going on the coffee run at the beginning of the movie. And I guess it's something he does every every day. So he um, exits this their like abandoned building office, whatever, and he starts walking down the street. Um, he is listening to, what is it, Harlem Shuffle? Mm-hmm. Yep, he's listening to Harlem Shuffle. And so as he's walking, um, there are little... I don't know if you want to call them Easter eggs, but um, there's little, like, you have to really pay attention to see it. Um, You might have to watch this scene a few times to catch them all. But as he's walking, you'll see the lyrics um, behind him as he's going around. So, like, it says, shake, shake, shake. And then there's graffiti on the wall that says, shake, shake, shake. And, like, other things as he's going around. Um, And then as he's ordering coffee... The song says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, what do you want? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have four coffees or whatever. So it was a very interesting scene. And it took them so long to figure out the choreography of how long he has to take to walk across the street or how long he has to take to wait before he starts ordering his coffee to match up this song as he's doing all of this. And and it's kind of song and dancey too because he yeah. has these little interactions with people mm-hmm. on the street as he's walking to the coffee top coffee shop as well. I noticed that too. Yeah, with like, I don't know, he passes like some instrument, I don't know what, the music store, mm-hmm. I guess. And like when the trumpet comes, he walks up to the, the glass window and there's a trumpet and he pretends to play it and other stuff like that. Or like come on under or come on over he like crosses a street there and like ducks under a wood thing that these construction guys are carrying it's just like all these different things that you wouldn't normally think of but they thought of it like there's car horns honking there's atm beeping there's all these different things that happen in sync with this song and it took them 28 takes yeah which is wild that is crazy if you think about i mean they have to rehearse it ahead of time too. I mean, you have to get it down. They only rehearsed it twice, and then they shot it. But you know, twenty-eight tries. Yeah, I know, but like only we only rehearsed it twice though, and then like is every time you film it, you think that's the one that's gonna be like you have to act like that is the perfect one, you know? Yeah, it's that weird. is a little. That is a little strange, a little bit weird, and yeah, uh, yeah there's so many. They, you know. They really didn't have to go that hard, but they, they did. did. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do this kind of a movie, I feel like if it's the first one of its kind, like I mean, at least I, as far as I know, it's like the first one of its kind, um, you kind of have to go all out. And and the director was so passionate about it. I read was, yeah. a scene, or I read th- that he, um, you know, actually kind of siphoned part of his directing um pay that Mm -hmm. he got to Mm -hmm. back into the budget for the film because the film was getting so over budget but he was passionate about yeah you know certain certain items and and details being included in the film Mm -hmm. that he was like oh nope we you know we have to have this so we're gonna move it move it over and you know what this it did pay off because this film I think it made 226 million dollars 
worldwide. Mm-hmm. And as of a few months ago, there's a sequel script that has kind of been kind of been finished. How exciting. I'm yes. so excited. And, you know, it, it won some great awards. And I mean, it has a really star-studded cast, if you think about it. I mean, it does. Ansel Elgort, you know, um, John Boyega was up for this role, as was uh, Logan Lerman, who, um, you know, John Boyega was in Solo, A Star Wars Story. Logan Lerman is in um, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, is mm. kind of his breakout role, but he's also been in 13 Reasons Why on Netflix as well as another war movie. I can't remember the name of it, but a big uh, motion picture, you know, big theater release. Mm -hmm. He is in a a war movie. Maybe it's with Brad Pitt. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, obviously Jamie Foxx is a terrific actor. He's Mm -hmm. played some amazing roles. John Hamm, he, you know, he's played serious dramatic roles seen in Mad Men Mm -hmm. from you know funny roles to bridesmaids to other you know um, action films and um, you know as I mentioned Lily Collins she has uh, or I'm sorry not Lily Collins Lily James she was in Cinderella Mm -hmm. and then Kevin Spacey I mean um, he's kind of currently off the map yeah. Regards his personal <laughs> life. But, you know, he is a terrific actor. He has been one of my favorites for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. And then um, John Bernthal, he's in the film for all of, what, five minutes? But His only scene is the opening scene. Yes. But he <laughs> is one of the top build actors um, in this film, which I think is kind of funny to me. Um, and then uh, Sky Fiera, she is a recording artist. She plays Baby's Mom and just looking through through this I had to lol because she has been one of my favorite artists for a long time so uh, let's get into our final reviews of baby driver Emily I'm gonna let you go first since you were the (laughs) one who suggested this film and um obviously have a ton of research so yeah I have a feeling you got a lot of reasons to back up your rating um well, okay, so it's hard to give something, like, a five because, like, that has to be, like, the most perfect movie ever, but I guess I'm biased because it's just, like, one of my favorite movies, but, like, I would say that it's a five, not only because it's my favorite movie, probably, but um, because of how this movie was shot and how it was edited and how much passion and time and effort was put into this movie to, like, excel in this new kind of filmmaking that Edgar Wright created like it it's just insane all the things that they did and it wasn't just a serious like it was a mix of like action love story comedy musical-ish like it was a mix of I feel like anyone can enjoy this movie mm-hmm. it's not like you have to be if you are a film if you're a film nerd who really loves the style yeah. of filming if you love music if you love car chases and action or you just like a good story mm-hmm. yeah it definitely hits like everyone like their target audience is everyone and anyone and I just I don't know I love this movie and I think it's it was a great movie and I love the way it was shot and edited and I'm obsessed with it and so yeah I'm giving it a five because it's my favorite and I'm probably biased (laughs) (laughs) that's okay we accept bias opinions here (laughs) good so um you know after 
watching it and then doing more research I have a greater appreciation for the film Mm -hmm. in general um and your suggestion of watching it with surround sound or with headphones I'm super interested in um because I think that music and scores of films often get overlooked in a lot of ways uh, except when they have like big huge musical numbers think of like Mm, a star is born is probably the best the best example of it but that is just um like an obvious musical number and this is obvious but in a different way that you have to not only be watching the film but listening to the film Mm -hmm. and listening to the way that it's so deliberately put together Mm -hmm. and um just knowing a lot of the background gives such a better appreciation to it even though I'm not as huge of a film film studies book as (laughs) Emily I can still really really appreciate that aspect of it so I'm gonna go ahead and give this surprisingly a four out of five I definitely want to watch it again um Mm -hmm. because I know that this film has you know drawn um you know, a huge fan base and it has a really great following and a lot of people are kind of interested mm-hmm. um, in this type of film. So I'm going to stick by uh, my four out of five. Um, we didn't mention it before, but it is available on Apple iTunes for rent or purchase and then also on Showtime if you happen to stream it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's been on Netflix in the past, so I think so. Yeah, it could always come back. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, um, this week Netflix released their list of everything that's coming to Netflix in July. Mm-hmm. Most notably, Stranger Things three, as well as uh, Queer Eye season four, and then a lot of other films. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a new Facebook page, which is the same name as the podcast atlas now streaming so we will be sharing our obviously our podcast there and then a lot of other discussions on films obviously we can't a review or talk about you know every television show or movie or whatever is out there um and it would be hard to do something as big and elaborate as like game of thrones yeah that would Breaking Bad. It require like its own entire podcast series. <laughs> yes. Um, or, you know, like things like Chernobyl on HBO, which yeah. is um, probably, you know, the best miniseries of the year, in my opinion. I watched it and I was, I was amazed. I loved it. But we are going to be sharing a lot of content there and talking about different films and um, hopefully doing some more collaborating and maybe getting outside of the box a little bit. I know this is one of Emily's favorite movies and I would love to review something that maybe we don't know a lot about or, you know, maybe we can find someone here in the office or a traveler that stops mm-hmm. by that has a, a film or a TV show or a documentary that they um, are really, really into and, you know, would want to talk about. So yeah. that being said, if you're passionate about a film or a television show that has come out, um, not even recently, but if it's available on a streaming platform, mm-hmm. send it our way. We are obviously always looking for new shows and would love to review them. Um, any hidden gems out there 
um, we want to expose them to the masses. Yeah. So visit visit us on our Facebook page again. It's Atlas Now Streaming, and uh, tune in next week for the latest installment. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks guys. Have a good week. Bye bye. <laughs>